So today we're going to look at the story of Jonah. I'd like to read the first chapter out to start with. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. And then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lay down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And then they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we, know, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and they said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So I wanted to take a moment to think about Jonah he had this incredibly special and close relationship with God. God had entrusted him with the office of a prophet and God would speak clearly and directly to him so that he could shepherd the people of God. And you know, from this position God, God was calling Jonah further deeper with him. God wanted to spur Jonah on to increase in fruitfulness, to embark on a mercy mission, 
to a city of great expanse. The wickedness of Nineveh was before God and God was going to step in and do something about it. And it's an amazing thing that God actually partners with us to, in order to achieve his plans and purposes in this world. But Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. I think it's, a, it's a very important to take a moment to consider the magnitude of this statement. Psalm 16.11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Jonah was so forsaking God's special office, God's calling on his life, and the fullness of peace and joy in the fellowship of God's presence. Nineveh was in the east, so Jonah aimed for the far west. Jonah committed his whole being to run in the opposite direction. But as the story shows, it's, actually, it's, it's, it's quite impossible to actually flee from God's <laughs> Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. There are always blessings on obedience and always judgment and chastisement on disobedience. But fortunately for us, God's mercy and love is such that when one of his sheep runs away, that God goes after them to bring them back. Our eternal position in Jesus is totally secure. And God loves us with an everlasting love that transcends the temporary struggles of our heart. So let's get back to the story. What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so we may not perish. Jonah had just woken up to a category perfect storm. And God is speaking to Jonah through the storm and through the people around him in the storm. You can just imagine, like, you know, a man from Nineveh with spiritual eyes saying the exact same thing to Jonah. You know, wake up to your spiritual state, Jonah. Intercede for us, Jonah. Have compassion on our perishing, Jonah. You know, the cry of the heart from the ship's captain is just like a cry for mercy from the people of Nineveh. But Jonah's heart was very hard. He didn't tell the sailors to turn the boat around. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't repent of his way before God. Instead, he said to him, throw me into the sea. You know, and obstinance against God always leads to a worsening situation. I remember one time as a kid pulling dad's beard and it was a little bit of a habit of mine and one day I decided to do it quite strongly and, <laughs> and dad was actually hurting a bit so he started to pull my hair <laughs> and of course you know to a young person I was I, that, like oh dad's pulling my hair I'm pulling harder <laughs> and so the harder 
harder I pulled, the harder he pulled, and the harder he pulled, the harder I pulled. <laughs> Until finally, Dad was really amazed at how hard he was having to pull my hair. <laughs> before, before I finally gave in. <laughs> And, you know, my question to us here today, um, God's calling on our life is love from a pure heart. And, you know, this, this example is just one case of a hardened heart. But is there anyone here that has a hardened heart? And it might not be towards Nineveh. It might be towards Russia. It might be towards Ukraine. It might be towards, you know, the the neighbour on the street. It might be towards your spouse. Whatever it is, if there's, if I advise, you know, call on God, say to him, search my way, know my heart and help me to get it right. Because God always respects people coming to him. That's what he wants. And that's what he wants from Jonah in this situation. He wants Jonah to come to him. (laughs) But Jonah doesn't want to. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I think that that's one of my favourite bits of this whole story is the effect on the sailors. They all had their own gods. Each one cried out to his own god, save us. <laughs> but when they got confronted with the living God and about what, you know, what he will do, and <laughs> this guy's on the run, <laughs> it's like, oh, we better, get, we, we better <laughs> find out who this God is. <clears throat> and you know, it, this, it reminds me of a passage in 2 Timothy 2 that says... Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He will be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And so sometimes, um, you know, like God, like a master artist, can turn any black stain on the canvas into something good. You know, they can just, like Mr Squiggle, he, he got this canvas of the dots and dashes and... And he used to just get a little thing and just, you know, just make it into a beautiful picture. And, and God can do the same with us. Even, he can even use the disobedience of his saints to bring a testimony of what not to be like and also of his mercy and so it's in our best, own best interests to, to, you know, and God's best interests that we do obey him full, you know, fully first. But, you know, the beauty of this story is, and also the verses here is that 
You know, God can make you an example of what to be if we do the right thing and what not to be if we don't do the right thing. And in, in that, he's still got the victory. He's always got the victory. And then finally, just on time, according to the foreknowledge of God, the fish taxi arrives just at the right moment when it's needed. <laughs> so I'd like to um, look at some of the characteristics that are needed in spiritual storms. And I'd like to take a moment now to, um, to ask the audience, can everyone give me an example of a, of a storm in the Bible, a spiritual storm? Stephen. Yep. And how was that storm used by God? Stephen had a great testimony of seeing God, God um, his face was shining, I think that's before it was actually stoned, but he saw heaven open and he saw where he was going. Yep. Yeah. Mm. No, that, that was that's good. And he also forgave he also forgave them that stoned him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Think of some other storms like um, I think of King David and the lion and the bear. You know, like uh, King David was there. He was happy. Uh, he was just watching the sheep and the lion came. And, you know, if you or I were there, like, would we say, God, why have you sent a lion? Why have you allowed a lion in my life? <laughs> you know. But David, he rose up and he killed the lion. And then a bit later on, he's like, there's a bear coming. It's like, God, why are you allowing a bear in my life? But God's actually using those little storms to actually teach Teach him lessons. Teach him, oh, by God's strength I can overcome a lion. By God's strength I can overcome a bear. So that when he faced Goliath, that's his testimony to, to King Saul. He's like, God's helped me defeat the lion. God's helped me defeat the bear. I can beat, I can beat this bloke. Um, so sometimes, you know, so Romans 8.28 says, All things come together for good. To them that love the Lord and to a cold according to his purposes. So we should never be afraid of a storm. Never be afraid of the storm. Fear God, but never be afraid of a storm. And yes, yeah, sometimes God allows storms for a whole variety of different reasons. It's not just, you know, like. In this example was Jonah's hardness of heart, but also he's teaching Jonah through it. Also he's teaching the people around him through it. You know, think about Job. He faced one of the biggest personal life storms that you can about face. But in amongst all of that, um, you know, Job dealt with his, no, sorry, God dealt with Job's wife's attitude and he dealt with the attitude of Job's friends and, um, you know, a lot of things all around him were corrected. Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. God delivered him from his fears. He brought him through his fears. 
And so um, James 5.11 says, Indeed, then we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So um, another one is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You know, they had a storm. It was a storm at work. The boss said, the king said, you know, the, anyone who doesn't bow down to my um, statue that I've got here is going to be thrown in the fir, firna, fiery furnace. And good servants that they were of God, they refused to obey their earthly master in this instance and they got thrown in the fire. And to be going through that, knowing, like, knowing full well you're going to be chucked in the fire, but yet trusting God in the midst of it, having faith. And whether God delivers or not, we're going to do the right thing. That, that, that's really commendable. And notice the only thing, there's only a few things that changed from that storm. Number one, it was a wonderful testimony of God's glory to the king, to everyone in the whole land. But number two, their bonds were, the only thing that changed, their bonds were broken. And, um, you know, the, like, forever after that, the king would respect those men. <laughs> I don't think they ever would have been bound again. And, um, you know, the, the God, God, God opens the eyes of, of, of this world. God breaks bonds and bondage and blindness. And sometimes it takes a storm to achieve that. So, um, so there's some examples of a storm. The disciples in the, in the New Testament, they also encountered two storms. One where Jesus was asleep in the hold of the boat and the winds came up. And... Um, and, and, and they, the disciples woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Of course he cares. Of course he cares. And Jesus just got up, rebuked the wind and said, Silence, peace be still. Wind, wind died down. And then he said, Why are you so afraid? Don't you have faith? You know, and... And that's the number one characteristic that we need in a storm. We need faith. You know, our position is in Jesus Christ is secure. The Bible says in Hebrews 13:5, God will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says in Romans 8:38 to 39, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Timothy 2.13 it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So if you find yourself in a storm, uh, 
shield of faith, that's what we use to quench all the fiery darts. Don't be tempted to doubt God's love or care, but guard your hearts with a shield of faith and look to God in the midst of the circumstance, whatever you find yourself in. It's interesting, Peter has a good perspective on, on spiritual storms in, uh, and it's found in 1 Peter 4.12. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to, to you, but to rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So... The second characteristic we need in a storm is uh, meekness and obedience. So, not obedience through, but, but meekly, like, God, I'm going to do this because I love you. And um, so, in meekness and obedience, like, whatever the case is, however much pressure, whatever's going to happen, I'm going to obey, I'm just going to obey, I'm just going to obey. If we do those two things, we're in a very strong position. Um, so, so I'm going I'm to say also that um, in a spiritual storm, we need to learn, learn quickly. <laughs> and need to be really attentive. What's God saying? You know, pray for wisdom. The Bible says we can pray for wisdom. God gives liberally and without reproach. God cares about you in the storm. God wants to give you wisdom. And Jonah, he just at this point where we've left him in the story, he's, he, he just hasn't got it yet. He's, he's, he's not learning. He's not listening to what God's saying. He's not being obedient. And um, it's just getting, the storm's getting worse and worse. <coughs> so, so if you find yourself in a storm, learn quickly. Learn quickly. The final characteristic we need, um, well, the final two really, they go hand in hand. We need to be patient. We need to persevere. And in doing those two things, we also need to rejoice. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And so knowing that God's got a victory, knowing that God can overrule this situation at any point, knowing that God's working it out for your good, knowing all the things of faith, knowing you're kept by the power of God, by faith for, his salva- for salvation. You know, God's got us. God's got us. 
And so we know that anything that comes, God's allowed it. And we need to be, you know, rejoice. Like I said to Jen the other day, I said, uh, I consider it a privilege that I've got fungal gnats in my, that, that I've got, they've got to beat at uni. There's these little, little, uh, little fly things that uh, had a go at destroying my trial. Um, but I do, I consider it a privilege that, that, um, that I've, I've got it to beat. Um, you know, and, and that helps me have a good attitude because they're something that God's made. You know, they're a beautiful creature. They're incredibly, I couldn't build one. They're incredibly complex, you know. So, you know, I don't, I don't draw out hatred against fungal gnats. So no, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, I've, I've been given this position and I'm going I'm to beat them. And so I'd like to conclude to, today with... Um, just reinforce, just reinforce uh, obedience. In Psalm 32 it says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old, through my bone, groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality turned into drought of summer. So there. And when God asks us to speak and we keep silent, you know, when, when we've... When God asks us to speak love to our neighbour, when God asks us to um, witness, you know, there's always a blessing there to be had in doing it. But also, if we don't do it, then we miss out. We miss out on that pools of blessing that God wants us to bring us into. Verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, which must, must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. And Jonah was a bit like, a bit like this, in this at this point in the story. Like, you know, can you, can you imagine a, a rider trying to break in a new horse that's going like this and like this and like this? God's saying, don't be like, don't be, don't be putting yourself in a position where I'm having to instruct you with the rod. You know, God would much just rather just speak to you and say, go and, and go. You know, you know, Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so that's where we want to be. We want to be not pulling the beard, <laughs> but abiding in the Father's love. Yeah. And, um, and they're an amazing, like even though it might be scary sometimes, even though it might be hard sometimes, there is an amazing blessing in obedience. And Jesus said, my commandments are not burdensome. And it's actually harder to hold on to bitterness and 
it's harder for you to hold on to resentment than it is to actually give that to God and actually do the thing you know, that he's asked us to do. It's actually, God's got a very easy path and um, he wants us to be free of those things that bind us up like that. So I'd like to, I'd like to just pray, pray for, for everyone now and, um, and conclude. Dear God, thank you so much that you love us and you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you so much that your call is to draw us deeper and deeper in the relationship with you, in, to abide in your love, to experience the fullness of joy of your presence every day. And we pray, Lord, that um, you would help us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Lord, that we would look on our lives through the eyes of faith to interpret circumstances. And Lord, that you would help us to have your response to our circumstances and the people around us. We thank you, God, for what Jesus has done in that he uh, loved us while we were still enemies and then he gave his life for us and, 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 and we have forgiveness in him. And Lord, we pray that you would also help us to forgive those who come against us. Lord, help us to um, have your love for our for enemies because Jesus said, I love your enemies. And so, Lord, we do pray for each one here that, that we all have a heart that flows with your love, a heart that flows, that's a, that's a flowing stream of your love. Jesus promised, he said, out of your heart will come rivers of living water. And so, Lord, we pray for that to be true of each one. And, Lord, we pray that there'll be nothing there that dams it up or impedes the heart. In Jesus' name, amen.